It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 270, entitled, You Actually Got a Wife. It was recorded on Monday the 9th of October 2023. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and this week I'm joined by Michelle Frechette, by Tim Nash, and by Jack Kittering. We talk about WordPress, and this is what we say about WordPress. We talk about the fact that 6.4 version of WordPress Beta 2 is around, and you can test that out. We also talk about a new Lightbox feature, which is being added in the near future to images. Gutenberg 16.7 introduces some new font management capabilities as well. That looks really good. We also talk about the fact that the Ollie theme has pulled their, air quotes, contentious onboarding wizard. WordPress global sponsorships have become significantly more expensive. What do people make about that and how will it affect WordPress events in the future? WordCamp Asia is coming about. WP Founders, watch out, you need to up your game. That's according to something that we cover this week. We also talk about another event, Cadence Amplify, and what happens when you install 108 plugins on your WordPress website at the exact same time. The answer, nothing particularly good. We talk about MainWP's article, which exposes how it really is a good idea to make sure that you lock down your MainWP dashboard. We also talk about the fact that this week, some new button was added to the WordPress.org repo, which allowed you to view plugins. It came and it went. What was all of that about? It certainly was a bit of a controversy this week. And then we talk a little bit towards the end about AI, Atto Seconds and Woosesh. It's all coming up next, this week in WordPress. This episode of the WP Builds podcast is brought to you by GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. Find out more at go.me forward slash WP Builds. Hello. And the award for the longest intro in WordPress podcasting too history. Long, isn't it? It's too long. Um, and also that music is just so bad. <laughs> when I first put it on there, I was actually, I thought it was quite nice. I was, it was quite yeah. relaxing, quite nice. But now I'm fed off if with it. If only you had the power to change it. If only I had the power to change it. I was hoping you'd do it for me. That's Tim Nash making incendiary comments. <laughs> We're, we're back. It's This Week in WordPress. It's episode number 270. Uh, thanks for joining us. If you are with us in the comments, that would be uh, that would be great. We'd love to get some comments from you. That's lovely. Best place to go is this page, wpbuilds.com forward slash live. If you're over there, we're actually trying something new out. Normally, I embed the YouTube video, but the platform that we use has actually got a way to just embed their own video stream. Uh, it looks exactly the same. There's no visual difference. But I just thought, let's try it without all the ads at the end. And uh, yeah, thanks, Tim. That's brilliant. Oh, that's Look good. at that, like a pro. I and mean, can you do the other one from on top as well? Just, oh, no, that's complicated. <laughs> no, no, that's too, <laughs> too complicated. I can only use one hand at a time. <laughs> that's right. What we uh, didn't see is he tried the other hand first, but yeah. behind, because it was behind. Yeah. We didn't see it happen. That's always the way it goes. You can see it's going to be anarchy today. Um, but yeah, wpbuilders.com forward slash live. If you're there, you're going to be need to log into uh, Google because it's YouTube's comment system. 
The other option is if you're in our Facebook group or Facebook page, then you need to do a little bit extra because Facebook block us from getting your avatar and name. Uh, in the in the link somewhere, at the thread at the top is probably a link, but it's wave.video forward slash lives forward slash Facebook. Click that and we'll get to know who you are. But yeah, really would appreciate it if you want to go and send your friends, relations, dogs, cats, iguanas and enemies. Uh, go to that page, WP <laughs> Tim's not sure about that one. Uh, com forward slash live. Let's introduce today's guests over there. Yes. Yes. First time. It's Jack. Jack Kittering. How are you, Jack? I'm good. I'm good. This is my second time. I feel like an amateur compared to all you. Don't do a lot of podcasts. That's so, why. something completely random. I know why. <laughs> there is not a lot to be. <laughs> to be said about that statement, other than that it's completely untrue. I think you did a great job and you will do a great job today. Jack's joining us from the UK, which is like last week we had somebody on from the UK, this week somebody on from the UK, and another one. So it's the UK taking over. That very rarely happens. Usually it's North America. Jack is the product manager at LearnDash and the creator of too many side projects. Come on, you can't just drop that in and and not not tell her. Give us a give us a, no. <laughs> no. I, I can't. There's too many. No. Embargoed. He's well, embargoed. I literally just acquired another WordPress plugin uh, last week, so oh. I'll be making an official announcement in a couple of weeks once I finish tinkering with it. Okay, okay. That's lovely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sure lots of people have heard of LearnDash, and if you haven't, go and check it out. Go and Google LearnDash right away. Uh, down there doing the, doing the signposting duty is Tim Nash. How are you doing, Tim? I'm doing okay. I have a bit of a cold, so if I suddenly start sneezing, I'll, uh, I'll mute myself. Yeah, that, that's great. Yeah, and we'll see you guys like that. Oh, that lost. Uh, Tim is officially in hell, as you can see. There is no background <laughs> at all. It's completely dark. <laughs> What's he like down there? Pass the salt. Um, Tim is a WordPress security consultant. And apart from his uh, consultancy work, Tim is also known for delivering engaging talks on various topics. We'll see about that later and occasionally making appearances in unique security-themed improv comedy shows that are often overlooked. Is that true, or is that hyperbole? No, no. I, I, I've started at least one. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Uh, you can find out more about Tim on his website, timnash.co.uk, and even join his mild musings, random mutterings newsletter for a dose of him in your inbox every so often. I subscribe to that, and it's jolly good. So, yeah, go and subscribe to the Tim's newsletter, and you never know, bring a ray of sunshine, darker, get rid of the dark background. I think the black t-shirt helps. Yes, it, you are literally a disembodied head. <laughs> oh dear. And over there, yes, I'm doing well. Three out of three. There she is. It's Michelle Frechette. How are you, Michelle? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. I'm Obviously, you can tell I'm in a bit of a stupid mood today. I don't know why, but I kind of feel like it. this episode might go off the rails a little bit. <laughs> Michelle Frechette is the Director of Community Engagement for Stella WP at LinkedIn Web. In addition to work over at Stella WP, Michelle is the podcast barista at WP Coffee Talk. She's the co-founder of Underrepresented in Tech, creator of WP Career Pages and WPSpeakers.com. I got a card. Look, WP Speakers. Yes, you do. Um, where am I? And the president of the board of BigOrangeHeart.org, Director of Community Relations and Contributor at Post Status, author business coach and frequent organizer and speaker at WordPress events. Michelle lives outside Rochester, New York, where she takes lots of nice nature photos and posts them on social media. They're absolutely excellent. 
You can find out more about her at timnash.com. No, at uh, meetmichelle.online. I'm I'm not afraid to list them like Jack is. I'm just saying. That's right. Jack's. Next time Jack's on, he's got to up his game. We've got to have a 10-line bio. Well, next time um, I'm on, I'm going to take up the hour and a half. I think that's that's the tavern. You want to go on that other yeah, podcast yeah. he's got? Tim, Tim Nash's bio until a few minutes ago, I think, just said, I need a new bio or something like that. But he's, he's updated it beautifully. Thank you so much. Peter Ingersoll is joining us in the comments. He always does, and he always gives us a weather report. Uh, from where he is, which is Connecticut. And, oh, let me just change the settings here. Oh, not that one. Let me just go here. How do I do that? I'll probably have to take that comment away first so that I don't hide Tim's and Michelle's face every time we do a comment. Yeah, nice. You sort of lean over the top there. Hello from on this sunny morning, sunny, cool morning in Connecticut. It's 80 degrees centigrade, 46 degrees Fahrenheit, heading up to 18 degrees centigrade, 64 degrees Fahrenheit, New England in the best of the fall. And WP, WBCom designs, uh, and obviously they tried to put in an emoji, but clearly the platform uh, doesn't allow it. So let's see if that now works. Uh, let's have a go. Oh, that's better. Look, now Tim doesn't have to crane his neck. <laughs> right. We're here to talk about WordPress. So let's get that underway. A couple of bits of self promotion first, if you don't mind. This is our website, wpbuilds.com. If you want to keep up to date with all that we do, just put your email address in there and we'll send you two emails a week. Typically, that's like literally 99% of the weeks. Um, one to say that this episode has come out and one to say when the podcast has come out. We also like to mention that we're sponsored by GoDaddy Pro, who've been sponsoring us for absolutely ages, and it really does help keep the lights on. So thank you to them. I'd also like to point out that we've got a new webinar series coming up starting next week on Wednesday. It's with a lovely chap called Leo uh, Lozovich. I pains to pr- pronounce that correctly. I hope I did. Leonardo Lozovich. And he's got a plugin called Gato or Gato. I'm not entirely sure. GraphQL. And, uh, and it can do amazing, amazing things. And he's going to, in that five-part webinar series, explain some of the things it can do, 20 or so things that it can do. And we're going to be doing it each week on a Wednesday, 3 p.m. UK time. If you fancy putting that in your calendar, just scroll down and, you know, click some links and get it into your calendar. But there we go. The other thing to mention is love it or hate it. Black Friday is coming around. And, uh, you know, you're probably starting to bookmark things. Well, if you're in the WordPress space, bookmark this, wpbuilds.com forward slash black. Once more, wpbuilds.com forward slash black. It's our page where we we allow you to search and filter all the Black Friday deals as they come in. Uh, you can see we've got some sponsors for that page. So thank you to Gravity Forms and WS Form for sponsoring that page. But they're going to be listed down here and you can, you know, search and filter and all that kind of stuff. And uh, hopefully save yourself a few, a few little quid on the journey towards Black Friday. Right. Self-promotion over. Let's get on with the WordPressy stuff. Really, this is just a shout out. If you're into beta testing WordPress, then 6.4 beta 2 um, has come out and is available for testing. You know the drill. Don't stick it on a production site. Put it somewhere safe and sound and secure. And uh, hopefully by November the 11th, we'll have gone through all the beta rounds. But anyway, that's the latest one. So please make the project work better. Go and get that tested. Uh, But coming potentially in WordPress 6.4, should that come in November. Uh, I don't know what you guys think of this. In core, a light box 
for the WordPress block editor. So this is the, the idea here is basically if you upload an image inside of the block editor, you will have a setting to turn that image into a light box. You all know how this works. You tick the box and then when you click on an image, it pops up in a light box. I, I kind of like the way it looks. But what do you what do you reckon? Is this something that you would ever want in WordPress core? It just seemed like a bit of a bit of a silly entry. There it is. There it just says quite simply expand on click. It's called. I guess they're eschewing the language of Lightbox because maybe that's a bit technical. But anyway, that's coming. Good or bad? Don't know. Over to you guys. And probably not for long. It seems to me that we are putting more and more <clears throat> into core. What? Um, some people have built WordPress plugins and their livelihoods around. And so I wonder sometimes, you know, is it good to have everything? Is it good to have the portfolios or the, um, the galleries when there are so many gallery plugins that have, you know, been feeding families for all of this time, um, that have these features built into them? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that, that I guess is the, the, the argument, isn't it? I mean, the implementation looks quite nice. It's got this kind of like sliding in effect. It doesn't, you don't get that kind of sudden. Um, that oh, box on top. Yeah, of that sudden box on and... top. I guess there's some sort of JavaScript to play there, which is, again, more things that maybe we do or don't need. But the implementation looks nice. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Jack, I don't know. Jack or. It feels like, like plugin territory to me. Yeah, it, it does really. Why do you. You know, slider plugins, gallery plugins, they're on the market. Um, not so um, lastly, decide to put in core. Hmm. And if you have to set the setting on every single image you upload, that's a, a probab probability for me anyway to make mistakes where somebody's going to go, they all opened except the one I wanted to see, Michelle. Why is that one not opening? Yeah, I don't know if that's going to be um, on like a, a, a grouped basis, whether you can toggle it on or off. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. This is, what are we looking at here? We are looking, yeah, we're looking at the image block here and it does look like it's on a per image basis. So good point. I, I mean, I'm sure that it. it's, you have a default setting and then you would have to undo that setting, but still. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Tim, anything or should we just accessibility it is the only the only benefit to it being in core is that core tends to come with slightly better accessibility because it's got a team that's focusing on it whereas yes. an individual plugin developer often unless they have a particular interest in accessibility themselves the only thing that they deal with is people complaining about it so and then they're sort of retrofitting it in um so i guess that's an advantage but honestly this seems so niche the the point is not lost on Amy. Thank you for joining us, Amy. Amy Letson, if this core lightbox is fully accessible, it would be nice to have to build on when not needing a whole hog plugin. Um, uh, but yeah, so that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. And then uh, uh, Cotton Web, hello. Uh, the more gadgets you add, the more chance there is of a feature being missed. Good point. Mm. Okie dokie. Well, I think the jury's out on that. It looks nice. I have to say the implementation looks nice, but it does seem like more of, more or less all of us think that it seems like a bit of an unnecessary thing to add into core. I got that from the Meta Slider website, by the way. It's called a new light box for WordPress block editor. Let's see if anybody actually uses it. I guess the problem is once it's in, it's staying in. Gutenberg 16.7 introduces font management. I suspect we'll all quite like this one. Well, I could be wrong. Um, this is Sarah Gooding writing in the Tavern. This was on September the 29th. She was telling us 
that in Word, uh, Gutenberg 16.7, hopefully, we will be able to have a new font manager. And I guess the easiest way to describe this would be, you know how the media library is kind of separated from everything. So the media lives all by itself. You can browse and fiddle and search and alter all of that stuff in that own unique interface. This is the intention of the font management system. The, the library will stand alone and you'll be able to interact with it, install, remove, and activate fonts from inside of there. And my understanding is as well, well, no, actually that was something else. So anyway, the idea is it's separate, standalone, and given that fonts are now really, I guess with GDPR and all of that kind of thing, if you're going to be lo loading fonts, it's a good idea to be able to manage them locally. This actually to me seems like quite a bona fide good idea. Again, over to you lot. I really like this. Um, having spent a lot of time dealing with performance issues. Low remote loading fonts is just a nightmare. How that said, um, a lot of the remote loading of fonts is done with licensing setups. Um, most fonts are not free fonts in the ter terms of just like open source. So, uh, I imagine there's going to be a little bit level of, uh, font piracy going on, I suspect. And mm -hmm. the, uh, not that this is necessarily going to encourage that, but it's just going to happen as a nature of things. But uh, I like this. It's a shame it's not going to be in the next version of WordPress. I believe it's been punted. Punted, um, you said earlier, yeah. yeah. That would have been a really cool headline feature because I'm not sure 6.4 has any cool headline features anymore. Lightbox. Removed. Lightbox. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so the idea also would be you'd be able to, with one click of a button, you'd be able to connect it to your Google account um, and thereby bring along, I don't know how many they've got now. It's I imagine it's well in it, closing in on a 1,000 or maybe in excess of a 1,000. So you'll be able to browse all of those and download them locally. So uh, yeah, thank you, Tim. I appreciate that. Jack or Michelle, anything on this? I like it. But I do. Yeah. The same as Tim, licensing. Every time you build a new site, you need to go and find a nice fancy font. It comes with a license. And does someone non-technical that's going to use WordPress understand that? Yeah. That's going to be like, woo, a font. I can install it. Oh, yeah. So there's a couple of other things coming in Gutenberg 16.7. So let's just highlight those as well. Um, other notable improvements include group blocks can now have custom names. I think that's kind of nice. It's, it is nice if you've got a big long page to be able to rename things so that you know exactly what they are. So that's kind of nice. Mm -hmm. New social link icon for the whatever that thing's called X, Twitter, X, Twitter, Y. Who knows? They'll only uh, be twer to me. The, the, the other thing. Have you noticed how in mainstream media, certainly in the UK, you cannot write X without following in brackets the service formerly known as Twitter? But, I think that's never going to go away. I think. It's I just, mean, we still called Prince Prince all those years, right? Yes, so. exactly. Well, what were you going to call him? Just like some sort in of sign or something. In the years to come, it will be Twitter, formerly known as X. Formerly That's known as right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, you've got a new social link icon for that service. I guess that was to be expected. New ability to toggle no follow settings for inline links. That's rich text only. Adding aspect ratio for image placeholders. That's kind of cool. Uh, like and then there's a couple of things about the, the image block revised lightbox UI to remove behaviors, whatever that was. Um, an updated UI for the image lightbox redo. Again, not entirely sure what those are, but there it is. Gutenberg 16.4 coming down the, the, down the pike fairly soon, but font management is the headline feature. Okay.
Okay. Let's have a quick look, see if we've got any comments. Yes, we have. That's quite nice. Um, good morning from Philly, says Amy. Nice to have you with us. Aaron just giving us a wave. That's nice. Uh, Gato is Spanish for cat. Oh, okay. That's why Leo's site is full of images of cats, because it's cats. Got it. I didn't realize. Bab Saul is joining us from sunny Cambridgeshire in the UK. That's really nice. Um, and then going back to the piece that we had just a moment ago, Michelle's point about flipping the switch individually is well taken. Yeah, it would be nice to think that we could do the light box on all of them all at once. I call it Twixter. <laughs> you would, Peter. You would come That's up with nice. the perfect name for it. Yeah, that is good. I, I can't see that, but it's Wish just I ingrained, isn't it? It's absolutely it ingrained in my head to call it Twitter because I, I can't think of what to call the thing that I'm doing. So if I do a tweet. I haven't got a replacement for that. So it's always going to be a tweet. Anyway, I, I saw something it. recent. I saw something recently that said, if Twitter had tweets, does X have excrements? And that's all I can think of now. <laughs> oh, that was my joke. Jeff. Oh, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Did I just take your joke? No. Oh. I'll edit it out and uh, you can say <laughs> it now. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> and everybody will think it's true. <laughs> I was going to say that we should, uh, if you call it extrament, then you obviously can then work out what your uh, tweet should be. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. Oh, dear. Right. Okay. Let's move on and talk about WordPress uh, events and particularly the sponsorship of events. I, I got to say that this sort of stuff gets bandied around uh, on this show quite a bit. We talk about sponsorship and we talk about WordPress events. But to me, the curtain is firmly shot on how all of this works. I really don't know how the the whole sponsorship regimen works and who gets the money and where that money comes from and all of this. But let's let's raise this. But I know that Michelle um, and uh, Tim, I don't know, Jack, but I know that you guys have been involved in uh, events in the past. So let's go through this. Again, we're on the Tavern, 2nd of October, Sarah Gooding, WordPress Global Sponsorship Program raises costs for 2024 to support expanding in-person events. I guess everything is getting more expensive. And so why not sponsorship programs? in WordPress. Uh, and I'm going to read WordPress community team um, has proposed a draft for the 2024 global community sponsorship program with fees increased to cover the costs of the rapidly expanding number of in-person events. The program supports the volunteer organized local events so that they can provide free or low cost access to attendees. It helps companies streamline their sponsorship contributions across multiple events. Um, with less administrative overhead. Now, we can see the numbers here. Um, what it was is the top line, that's 2023, and what it is now is the bottom line. So the gold was previously 130 and has gone up by 15 to 145. Silver has gone up by 20. So the silver's gone up more than the gold um, to 115, and the bronze has gone up 10. That's kind of curious in itself. It's gone up 15, 20, and 10. I kind of would have thought the gold one would have gone up the most, but there you go. Um, so this is in order to pay for the these rapidly what are being called, I'm sure they won't stick with this name, but next gen events, the idea of smaller, more more specific, let's say, with one theme or one topic or, or just something, something different about them, these events. And it said at the top of the article that the, the number of events has gone up. And if you're looking at the screen, you can see uh, this is the current state of affairs. 
A few stats demonstrating the strong resurgence of community events in the WordPress community since COVID. 36 local WordCamps held in 2023. To date, 25 more scheduled by the year end. So we're looking at, what, 50-ish? 173% increase in WordCamps since last year. 60 WordCamps anticipated to be held in 2023. And there were 22 in 2022. Kind of seems about right. 200 sorry, 729 meetup groups across 107 countries. Over half a million meetup group members, t- nearly 3,000 meetup events scheduled in 2023 to date with 350 more scheduled through to the end of the year. Anyway, it's a bitter pill, I suppose. If you're a sponsor, you've suddenly got to find a bit more money and hopefully that will justify uh, your existence in the program. As I said, I don't really know how this money gets allocated. Michelle or Tim or indeed Jack, if you've got experience. Where does all this money end up and who gets their hands on it and how does it work? So some of the money sponsors the sponsored meetups, right? So if it, WordCamp, or I'm sorry, WordPress Rochester is a sponsored meetup. So that's $20 a month, probably more now, that I'm not paying out of my pocket to use the meetup platform. So part of it funds that for sure. Um, but the, as far as WordCamps goes, it depends on your budget. So uh, when I met for WordCamp Rochester, uh, I was able to find a, a venue for $1,500. I was able to find catering for whatever it turned out to be. I think total was $2,000 for all the catering. And so we were able to pull off uh, WordCamp Rochester with food. We, we had the speaker dinner. We had you know coffee all day. We had lunch and we had the after party. And we ended up selling 80 tickets and had about 60, 65 people actually come. That's a really inexpensive WordCamp. WordCamp Montclair had about 90 to 100 people. Their budget was over $7,000. They did provide lunch, but there was no after party because that was not something that the budget would, would allow for. And then WordCamp um, uh, Atlanta is coming up this weekend, and their venue was tens of thousands of dollars. Mm. So, it just, so it depends which city you're in, depends where in the world you are, as to what the costs of actually putting on that WordCamp are. Depends on how many attendees you have. There's so much that goes into that. And so it isn't just a set amount. So like if you look and you see that there are gold spot those gold sponsors that are pay, that paid $130,000 this year, they didn't give $1,000 to every WordCamp who had, you know, their top level f- fundraising at sponsorship at $1,000. The top level fund fundraising spot or sponsorship spot at some of the bigger camps is a whole lot more than $1,000, right? So it might be $10,000 or $15,000. They're not getting all that money directly from that one. So for WordCamp Rochester, we were able to raise um, in local or what they, what they call local sponsorship. Some of it was not right local, but companies that wanted to invest in it. And so we got $1,500 from, from the community sponsorship, which is what those gold levels was you just had on, on, uh, on screen a minute ago. So, but if you look at our fundraising, if you look at our sponsorship page, it looks like because those are all listed under the thousand dollar gold level sponsor, it looks like we brought in like ten thousand dollars. If we had brought in ten thousand dollars, I would have been giving everybody filet mignon for lunch here in Rochester because <laughs> because of the difference of how much it costs to put on a camp in Rochester versus Atlanta or, or God forbid, London. I understand is one of the most expensive places to try to hold a word camp, and so. It's it it's interesting. I don't think that you get the right picture of how much money when you look at those sponsorship pages was actually raised. 
um, or given through the community funds. It's not a, a clear and transparent picture. So I'm wondering, like, should we put global sponsors listed separately than the money that was given by local sponsors or how that should work? Um, because it isn't necessarily clear to people. And, and as you saw in that too, it didn't include the flagship events. So your company can invest $145,000. But then if you also want to sponsor WordCamp Europe, you're coming up with another five, fifteen, twenty-five, seventy-five thousand dollars on top of that to be a gold level sponsor, a platinum or whatever numbers they're throwing and um, levels they're throwing at us. So it isn't necessarily as transparent. And which is why you're like, ah, the curtain has not been drawn back for me because I don't know that anybody gets the same picture when they do draw back the curtain, unless you've been part of organizing multiple events. I don't know that you've seen how that all works behind the scenes. The the one that, that was, in fact, the only WordCamp event, sorry, the WordPress, the only WordPress event that's taken place in the UK for a number of years was very recent. Uh, Tim was in attendance. You were in attendance, right? You went. Yeah, it was in your newsletter, which we've plugged a little while ago. We'll plug it again. Get Tim's newsletter. Um, that was the first event in a long, 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 long time. And it was thrown together relatively quickly, you know, in terms of like it, it WordPress London has got this massive lead time and, you know, all of that. And it was, it was one track. One event, uh, one day, uh, nice and simple. I, I believed him that the the event was the same as the place where you ate, and they kept the cost down and in all of those kind of ways. Uh, you enjoy that? You've got mute. You're muted. You're, you're either muted or your cam or your mic has gone off. Hello. Yeah, uh, you're back. You're it back. was a lovely event. It was really well put together. It was small. It was intimate. It was what WordCamps should be. Uh, you know, when we talk about volunteer-driven community events and then you look at WordCamp US or WordCamp Europe, they don't, that doesn't compute. They, they, their scales are completely wrong. Whereas this was like a nice intimate little event for local-ish people. Obviously, it was the only event we've had in the UK. It's probably the only event we're likely to have for a long time in the UK because of budget problems. Um, so there were people traveling in. But on the whole, it was just nice. And it was, it didn't, it worked really well. It worked on a really low budget. On the, the global sponsors, uh, it really is a double-edged sword, um, both for the events and for the sponsors. It's great that you have this little pot of money that's available for your WordCamp, but it's a little pot of money. Global sponsors do not give you vast quantities of sponsorship money to your individual event. They give you a tiny amount of money, far less than you need far less than you could get if you went to those sponsors and said, hey, Stella WP, I'd like to, you to come and sponsor our event. You're, you'd be, if you didn't have the global sponsorship, you'd be able to go to them and get more money for your individual event. That does mean that certain events would miss out because they can't, don't have that reach or it wouldn't make any financial sense. So, but on the other side, Flipcoin, as a global sponsor, Unless you're turning up to these events, the value of $140,000, that's coming out of your marketing budget. And you've got to sit in a meeting and say, oh, yeah, that was good value for money. Uh, how, how are we tracking any of the value? for No, no, no. Just pretend it's good value. Um, so I don't see it. You, you have to do that for a community perspective. And $140,000 is a lot of money to give on goodwill on the hope that something might come out of it. Mm -hmm. But if you're, if you're going as, if you're sponsoring individual events, then you're sending your team there, then you're at least engaging. You're still not going to get any sales. Don't get me wrong. WordCamps are terrible places to sell stuff. 
But at least you're getting some engagement out of it. I don't think that, I, I mean, if I was sitting in any marketing team and someone said, let's go and sponsor at a global level, I'd just go and hit my head against a wall repeatedly until, until, until someone accepted that it was a terrible idea, um, which is a real shame. Yeah, so you're you're all for the, the the dismembering, I suppose, of the global sponsorship program, and and each event just going out and looking for their own. I guess I guess the the flip side of that is at least if you're putting on a little event like the Whitley Bay one that we were talking about in the UK, at least you can dip into that pot. And although the amount that you get may be small, at least you know you don't have to do any endeavour to to get any of that funding. You say you don't need to do any endeavour. But forms, I guess. Generally, you know, go, getting a, getting a a WordCamp, just setting up a WordCamp and getting mm. through that process is horrific and painful and not pleasant. And you, we've lost so many organisers because they tried it, and it just is hard, a, a not a pleasant experience. And that's all down to again a, a lot of volunteers working tirelessly around the world, different cultures different expectations, different requirements, but being forced into a single model that at least we've got these next generation camps that aren't really next generation camps and aren't, they're just, it's the same thing. They're just giving it fancy terms. But if we're going to shove people into one mold, you shouldn't, you might, we might as well just not have volunteer events. You might as well just let them down, pay, pay half the WordPress org foundation set up a events company that runs around the world we'd have less events but they would be good quality ones or you go actually let meetups have autonomy let them do their stuff let meetups organically grow conferences in the way that they want they want to go down the WordCamp branding let them do that but don't go but if they say actually we don't want to be a WordCamp, we're going to run our i don't know admin day event or whatever and give them that auto autonomy to do that themselves and go and we do have that autonomy already though and we can do that so you, you like i've do you think i've done events oh, yeah, i've done events and yeah i have i've done hackathons and things like that right here in rochester through the local meetup and had events like that for sure that were full day events and had people show up and and do those kinds of things um maybe not to the scale you're talking about but to have 50 people in a room building websites for nonprofits i mean that's an event right and and we were able to fund self fund that we charged people $10 a piece to come in we got a couple local sponsors paid for the pizza made sure people showed up if they spent their money for the most part um so we do have some autonomy to be able to do those kinds of events for sure anything to add jack before we move on i just think the numbers really interesting on the post that's kind of saying how successful it is and saying how much work camps increased in, you know, 2023, when you look, it was COVID times and numbers don't feel that truthful. You know, you can always make the numbers look as good as you want to make them look. Uh, it's, it's very easy to do that with statistics and yeah, they were alone in 2022 because I was planning stuff in 2021. So to say, I will tell you numbers, attending numbers are down except for the flagship events for every single WordCamp I've talked to. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think the UK may be a bit of a unique example. I don't know. No, I think Australia, I was talking to Jo Minnie from Australia, and she was saying that the, the WordPress community in terms of events is a, is in a bit of a state in Australia as well. But in the UK, it, it looks like Whitley Bay, which just wasn't on the roadmap for anything in terms of WordPress a, a few years ago, 
it is now the flagship UK event. It's the uh, it's the one, which is kind of interesting. Um, the 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 <laughs> nice comment has come through from uh, Atif. He said we should run WordCamp Europe in Scunthorpe, which is uh, a, a, <laughs> a town in the UK. It's obviously tongue in cheek here, and save millions. I suspect it would cost you a handful of pennies. <laughs> no offense if you're from from Scunthorpe. So I'm not from Scunthorpe, so no no offense taken. But maybe there are people listening from Scunthorpe. Uh, what else have we got? A fantastic place for a word camp. It would be. We've got the spa, which is this giant Victorian auditorium. It genuinely would be a really... Don't even get me started, Tim. And, uh, just, just so you know, Nathan is now organizing work. No, he's not. No, just announced no, no. This is the title of this episode. This is the title of this episode already. Nathan is not organizing WordCamp Scarborough. Although, it, honestly, the venue would be. Per- I've thought about that so many times. It's literally perfect. Um, Amy says she loves the next gen idea. Still, revenues in my city are, I guess that means expensive and live captioning, captioning is necessary, but also expensive. So, right off the bat, it's really difficult to make an event as inexpensive as one would hope. Marcus joining us from GoDaddy. Everything keeps getting more expensive. Important to not note. N- to, to note. note. Oh, yeah. Thank you. To note that those global sponsors do not include the flagship events, as Michelle mentioned. So, that's US. WordCamp Europe and WordCamp Asia. Yeah, that's a really good point. And a deeper search for donated space would maybe be a start for my area. Okay, thank you. It's yeah, hard because even even the spaces that we're donating spaces now because of COVID protocols and having extra cleaning and all of those kinds of things can at least have to pay for their staff that are there. So free space is almost hard, is almost impossible to come by. Um, but I used one of our local schools, so not a not a college, which co- costs more. I used one of the city schools, the School of the Arts here in Rochester, and that gave me the opportunity to just pay their staff, which was basically fifteen hundred dollars for the day. Right. So you managed to really get the budget. You wrangled the budget right down by some creative thinking. What was the what was the event venue like in Whitley Bay? Because they had. On the on the logo, Tim, they had something which looked like a Victorian spa kind of thing, like we have in Scarborough. Was it something akin to that? Was it quite a? It is. So it's, I can't remember what the exact name, but it's called the Spanish City. It used to be a huh. fairground. Huh. And it looks a, 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 a Victorian esque fairground, which would with rides and things, and it's, it sounded amazing. I wanted to go to that. Unfortunately, they seem to have knocked down all the attractions and the conference venue, which. <laughs> Was disappointing, but it had a beautiful um, dome ceiling in the main. We weren't in the main area, but you could sort of slide through a door, and they, there was this beautiful domed area, and there was fancy restaurants. It was really nice. Um, if you ever want to go to Whitley Bay, uh, it, it really was a good selling thing for going up to Whitley Bay for a, a, a few days. I'm not doing the Scarborough event. I'm not doing it. It doesn't, you know. I'm just not doing it. Tim said so. I can see this is the beginning of something. Uh, right. Okay. So anyway, there we go. Um, those global sponsorship programs have in- increased in cost. It is quite a lot of money, uh, 145,000 for the gold. And as Marcus says, doesn't include the flagship events, which are very, very expensive. Uh, I know for those sponsors. All right, let's move on. Let's go to this piece. Speaking of WordCamps, occasionally we do the segue, right? This one is one of those moments. WordCamp Asia. Um, this is just to say that the tickets are on sale. It honestly feels like yesterday that I was looking at pictures coming in from Bangkok 
at the event, and yet here we are. Um, it's not that not that far away. It's you know half a year away. Tickets are on sale. It's happening in Taipei, Taiwan. It's March the seventh to the ninth, and I presume, as always, it's going to be tranches of tickets. They'll sell a thousand or whatever, and then go on to the next thousand or five hundred or two hundred or whatever it may be. But um, yeah, I, there we go. It's it's available. It's for sale. Go and get your tickets. It is at Asia dot wordcamp.org anybody here going i don't know if learn dash send you along are they michelle are you going to be going if i go i'll probably self-fund i have applied to speak it falls on international women's day hmm. which is right up my alley so we'll see would you rather be at home for that or there for that um i am an international woman so i doesn't matter where i am <laughs> i get it Okay, right. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, if you're interested in attending, um, I imagine that like last year, this is going to be a really important event for that part of the world. It really did from sitting on a couch, browsing Twitter posts and things, really did look like something quite special. Looked like the organizer pulled something pretty amazing off. So uh, congratulations. I mean, they did have three years to plan it. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, no, but that aside, they did an amazing job. It was incredibly accessible. Yeah. Um, I think I was the only person, you know, using wheelchair device, but everything about it was accessible and um, just, it was really, really amazing. Neat. So go and get your tickets if you fancy going. So we're moving on. This is uh, Justin Ferriman.com. Uh, He's got an article entitled Wake Up WP Founders. I'm just curious really as to what your thoughts are on this. I know that we've got Michelle and uh, we've got Jack both from the commercial plug-in side, Stella WP and all of the various different pieces, LearnDash and so on. I'm cu curious to think what you think about Justin's piece here. He, he wrote a, a long post on Twitter, which, by the way, he thought was actually quite a good way of um, doing it. He says he got lots of engagement over there. But his premise is basically this. I'll encapsulate it just by quoting. Let's face it, selling WP products today is a hell of a lot harder than it was just three to five years ago. I have no idea if that intuition is true or not, but it certainly feels like I'm getting bombarded more by products. It says it's got harder um, ever since COVID, um, you, but it's so it's basically really, really hard to get yourself noticed. Every every man and his dog seems to be coming up with a plugin and a solution using WordPress. Um, and essentially, this article is basically saying the WordPress ecosystem is a cutthroat space, and you really, really, really have to treat it like a full-on business. There's no point in going into WordPress as a, as, as a developer. You've built a plugin, you've got a solution. It's all right. He's basically saying, all right, is really not going to cut it anymore because no, A, you won't get any discoverability. People are going to expect 24-7 support. They're going to expect a website, which isn't some sort of cookie cutter template. It's got to have you know a real amount of thought put into it. In other words, WordPress is no longer the build it and they will come place that it used to be. Like I say, I don't really have any intuitions in this um, because I don't have a plugin. But let's hand it to uh, let's hand it to Jack first. I don't know if you in any way get yourself involved in marketing for any of your products, but has it become more difficult? Do you think? I think it's definitely become more difficult on the whole, but. And then you've got two sides of it. You've got the professional companies like, you know, your Star WP and their folds to have bigger budgets. They can, you know, they can push more out. They got more staff. They really what Justin said about the, you know, the single developer on their own pushed out a plug and making some money. 
I think you can still do that, but I think a lot of single developers get confused and think, all the clients are WordPress to all, we're going to get loads of installs, I don't have to tell anyone. Like, you still have to push it somewhere. Like, it's not a magical place where someone is going to get notified that, oh, someone built a solution I've wanted for three years and it's now available, let's go and install it. Like, you still have to do that baseline of marketing, but I don't think it's a market space where you can't do that anymore. I think just what you got in the COVID boom of all the plugin companies getting acquired, everyone building a plugin, selling a plugin, everyone just started building cookie cutter plugins that everyone else already does. They didn't bring nothing new to the table. They were replicas and poor imitations of other plugins already on the market. Like if you want to sell something, make something unique, like you have to have a selling point. A selling point isn't, I spent my spare time doing this and now it's on WordPress.org. No one cares. Uh, but it's definitely a more crowded space. I think WordPress has more competition in general from all the different low code tools, from the web flows, the square spaces, like WordPress is still a pain in the ass to get set up. If you're new, like. Everyone says, oh, it's really quick and easy. It's not quick and easy. Like, <laughs> uh, I've watched enough people struggle getting a WordPress site set up to know it's not quick and easy. That's going to become the new title of this podcast. WordPress is still easy. a pain in the ass to get set up. Can <laughs> <laughs> we shorten that to just WordPress is a pain in the ass and use it at that? <laughs> okay. That says Tim Nash. I'll add that bit to the end. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for that. I I have to say, g given the role that I now have, which I, I don't quite know how it happened, but now I just basically create content in the WordPress space. It makes me a bit of a target for email outreach for people who have got a plugin and or a theme or whatever it may be. And I, I get dozens a week and that, that is no exaggeration, li literally dozens from people who have got a thing that they've built and that it's never... I'm thinking of building. What do you think? It's always right. I've built it. Here's the website. I, I don't really know how to say this kindly. So I'm just going to say it. It, it is quite disheartening how poorly executed the marketing side of it is. And it makes me feel a bit sad for people who have put all of this effort in to what is clearly a difficult enterprise. They've built something. They've taken the time. Uh, on the face of it, if, if it's as they've described it, it does a great thing that a proportion of the population are going to need, but it just doesn't look executed well from the outside. You know, the website is poor. There's spelling mistakes. There's just really, really That's janky. just because they're using the UK spelling of the right, American Right, right. <laughs> That's what it is, yeah. No, I mean, genuinely, there's, spe there's yeah. you know, lots of spelling mistakes and it's... It I don't know. And there's some bit of me which thinks, well, good on you. You've just, you've done your best and that's what you're able to do. And marketing's not your thing. You're a coder. That's brilliant. But there's another part of me which feels like, oh, blimey, this is bound to fail. And I wish I could help all of these people, but I can't. But it, I think the long and the short of why I'm saying that is I, I think Justin might have a point here. Um, in that build it and they will come is probably gone. I think build it, make it look amazing, market the heck out of it, then they'll come. Um, I think we forget how like, international the WordPress space is, though, because a lot of these developers don't speak English natively. Right, exactly. So they put up a marketing website and you kind of read it and you're like, you know, 
nine times out of 10, it doesn't sound that great. You look at the product, you look at the code, that's all fine. But you know, unless you're a geek, you're not going to look at the product and the code. You're going to be put off by the site before you get to the product or the code. Yeah. The countries they come from quite often, they don't have big budgets. They can't even hire someone to fix the copy. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go and hire someone for $1,200 to fix the copy of the thing that you're spending. Like, you know, you spend the spare time on it, you're trying to make money. They don't want to spend a month's salary fixing up a page. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. I, I think you're right. I just, it makes me just feel a little bit sad because I think if I'd have been reading those emails four or five years ago, I probably would have said, yeah, that's fine. Just, just go with it and iterate. But nowadays, I think if you have a good idea, probably it'll get copied fairly quickly. Um, but also not, not too many people are going to dwell on it because I think everybody's intuitions on the internet are so much more, well, you know, it, we don't, we don't judge a book by a cover, except that we all do. And when you see a website, which looks a bit janky and even my, even my relatives who have no relationship with technology, even they can spot a website, which looks poorly executed things. Cause it's just part of the landscape now got a website. I know how it should look in the year 2023. So yeah, I think Justin's onto something here. Sorry. I, I've I think, dominated this. Sorry. I, th- I think my. First LearnDash course, I've been trying to figure out what to create on LearnDash will be how to market your WordPress product. Because That's I think genius. some people could, yep. yeah, they, yep. they could run with it if they just had some steps to follow, right? Like, uh, who do you reach out to? How do you write a press release? Who do you send a press release about this to? Because your local newspaper doesn't care, but there are news outlets for WordPress, et cetera. Those kinds of things. How to be a good podcast guest, how to pitch your idea to a podcast. All of those things that I'm on the other side of, I'd be able to help tell people how to do with the caveat that they don't inundate my inbox to try to get on all of my podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. Um, (laughs) Tim, any intuitions on this? Um, No, I'm still pondering spellings. If you're somebody who's um, come is where English isn't your first language, how do you make spelling mistakes? Because I when you're typing know. in and getting things translated, is there a translation system somewhere that deliberately puts spelling mistakes in or something? No, I, I, I get the intuition that they you that the, the ones certainly that I read look more phonetic than they they look accurate. Okay. So uh, I, I can't think of an example right now, but you know, a word which really ought to be yeah. spelt this way, but is in fact spelt this way. So yeah. that would have been a great example of run this like so a, a 101 there would be run that email through a translation engine. But this is the disconnect. That person is not thinking on that level. They are just thinking, I'm going to spray this out to all the people that I've got on this email list, which I've found. And that'll do it. Yeah. And that'll do it. Max has a really, Max put a good idea in the chat, which is that with chat GPT, there should be no more excuses for poor copy. Okay. So, so, yes. So, so, I don't know. I've seen a lot of poor copy. (laughs) Yeah. At least with spellings. It it should at least, you know, fix the spellings. My plugin will make you look more attractive, uh, or some sort of you know hallucination <laughs> like that. Um, thank you, Max. That's yeah, that's a really good point. But that's exactly the sort of thing that I mean. It's that it's that little layer of professionalism, which I think wasn't required, and in some sense, I would like it not to be required. Still, there's a part of me which is like rooting for the underdog always. Um, but I. Yeah, we've just got to that point where everything is very, very professional and everything coming down the pike. 
I did see somebody, it might even have been Justin. No, I don't think it was. Somebody's launching a, a service uh, called Rightly or something like that, where they're going to write your copy. It's a paid service, and essentially they're going to write copy for WordPress plugin and theme developers, so hmm. you'd come to them. So it's a little bit like what you were saying, Michelle. I saw that on Twitter, but I can't connect the dots with who it was. Yeah, uh -huh. I don't know. Anyway, sorry, um, Tim, you made a comment about spelling mistakes and then got hijacked. Was there anything else? Uh, if there was, it's now gone completely out. <laughs> yeah, that's sorry. Uh, okay. All right. So, Justin, I think from my point of view, I think you've got a point. All right, let's move on. I did a, a podcast this week with uh, a lovely, lovely person, Pierre Miaro uh, is how you pronounce that, although it looks like Pierre Mario, um, Orecchioni, um, and he was talking about how WordPress is translated. Um, I won't go into it, but if you're interested in how WordPress core and the, the, the plugin repository and all of that gets, gets translated and who is behind that important work, go and listen to the episode. It's, it is really amazing the amount of stuff which goes on in the background uh, to make WordPress an international thing. And Pierre Mario or Pierre Miaro um, explains how all of that works. So go and check that out. It really is lovely. This is either over to Michelle, I guess, Michelle, let's, let's plump the hook for you, Michelle. Uh, there's an event. It's called Cadence Amplify, uh, Mastering the Art of Effective Website Creation. It's happening um, a week on Friday, so October the 20th, 2023. Do you know anything about this, Michelle, other than the fact that there's a there's a page here? Do you, have you been involved? Yeah, so tracks? this is this is the second one of this year. The first one was a resounding success. Nice. Uh, two tracks online all day, learning different ways to be successful with your website. Do you need, do you know, do you need to be using Cadence? Is it bound up in that or is it more general than that? Well, last time I did a, a session on how to how to launch a podcast, so it was not dependent on Cadence. It's put on by Cadence, and of course, they'd love for you to use Cadence, uh, but it isn't necessarily about, every session is not about Cadence, so you don't have to be all in on Cadence, but you will certainly learn a few things about it if you do. So but you can also pick and choose which ones you want to listen to yep. and be involved with. <laughs> all online with a sort of keynote by the founder of Cadence, Ben Ritt, mm -hmm. at 4 p.m. EDT. 1pm. So I guess, I don't know if there's a sign up process. I can't see one on here. Uh, da, 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 mastering the, uh, nope, don't know. It just says that there are two. Oh, watch live and participate. Catch the replays, celebrate our speakers. So the, I'll drop the link to that into the show notes, but it's there. Put it in your diary, 20th of October, which is next week on Friday. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is lovely. <laughs> this is so great. This is uh, Sylvan Hagen, or Hagen, I don't know. Sylvan took it upon himself to install all at the same time. Uh, so it's not like one, do one plugin and then go and see what happens. This is install all 108 and then see what, I don't mean literally at the same time, but I mean, don't interact with the website in any way until all 108 are installed and activated and <laughs> see what happens. Uh, I've never seen this before. The periodic table of WordPress plugins. I guess that equates to 108. There they all are. Uh, fabulous. And he made a short video. The long and the short of it is, <laughs> it is a dog's dinner. <laughs> you do this. Your WordPress site, if you install those 108 plugins, and I genuinely didn't pay enough attention to see which plugins were doing it, but it's that whole notification thing. 
and hijacking with the onboarding that happens automatically. His website was utterly unusable. There were pages and pages, I mean, lit, you know, one page, but scroll, 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 scroll of <laughs> notifications, things to do, onboarding wizards, which hijacked the entire UI so that you had to dismiss them one after another. And essentially the, the conclusion of this is, well, obviously, don't do it. Don't install those 108 plugins at the same time. That's lunacy. But his, his takeaway is, can we please regulate the notification system? And uh, Sylvan, I have good news. Uh, there is a project afoot to hopefully wrangle the notification system, although what the progress of that is, I'm not entirely sure. don't know if any of you saw the video and just laughed at it in the same way that I did, but over to you if you've got any thoughts. It just made me laugh. We have had so many goes at, at trying to regulate the notification system. We have notification systems for notification systems. Yeah. Um, the new project is was like... We're going to do this. And there was about 20 people went, what about all these ones that we've been attempting before? Um, I, whatever you do, we're going to end up in the same position because somebody's going to create this really cool theme and it's going to have an onboarding wizard and that's going to be different from everything else and be rejected. Oh, no, wait, that's another story coming up. Yeah, yeah, that is another story <laughs> coming up. But m maybe that theme review team will be able to get their tendrils into that and say, look, if your theme is, is wanting to use any kind of notification, not until you've gone through the notification system. And then, of course, the paid version. Who knows what that'll do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't see it ever working. I think we, we have created this beast. If we'd built, if, if back in the day, you know, when we were talking WordPress 1, when we were first talking about plugging hooks and filters, and even back then there were suggestions that maybe we shouldn't just let people just randomly take over the UI. and We might have stand a chance. But the beauty of WordPress is that you can do almost anything with it. The problem with WordPress is you can do almost anything with it. And the notifications are the same. This is, they are just a byproduct of being able to do almost anything with it. And, you know, Yoast SEO will come out on Black Friday with a giant banner and it upsets everybody, regardless of how you build your notification system. Yo's got, got top billing on the uh, the plugin. Uh, look, it, there, there they are, right in the top corner. They are the hydrogen of the WordPress ecosystem. Is it hydrogen top left? I can't remember. Uh, showing my age, hydrogen so. is one, isn't it? Hydrogen. Anyway, yeah. blah blah. Yeah. Uh, my recommendation is uh, go and find Ross Wintle's plugin or uh, Chrome extension or you know browser extension. It's called. We mentioned it before. It's called Turbo Admin. If you're suffering from notification fatigue, just put that in your browser and they be gone. It's brilliant. Uh, thank you, Ross, for creating that. Jack, Michelle, anything on, on this? It's a bit of a silly piece, but I thought it was fun. I just think that the color contrast on that site needs to be fixed a little bit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Look, no. All right. That was an unexpected consequence. Yeah. Green on green. Uh, all right. It gets a good rating, three out of five is what it's Have you been doing that? Have you been checking it out in the background with your I just did right now because I'm just filling my eyes. Nice. Okay, thank you. This is quite an interesting piece. And really, there's not really a story here, but there's just like, be careful. It's an angle that I hadn't really thought of before. This is from MainWP. It's the piece is called, MainWP, by the way, is a WordPress plugin. You install it on typically a, 
dedicated website of its own. And then you can install a child plugin and update um, your WordPress installs from one central dashboard. Um, now, obviously, that creates a bit of a bit of a backdoor. If you can hack the main WP install, then you've got a direct line into all of these child sites, if you like. And so that that was a new vector that I hadn't really thought of. But um, uh, Thomas J. Reef from We Watch Your Website wrote a piece about this recently, saying that this is a bit of a bit of a deal. He mentioned three solutions. He mentioned Manage WP, WP Umbrella and main WP, and he talked about how crucial it was that you basically locked these down. Main WP go to lengths to say that in this case, the, the attack vector required you to log into a legitimate main WP account. So in a sense, it was almost like an employee was doing this, but obviously those credentials could leak or get out on the web somewhere. And so, you know, um, and so this is a, this is a bit of a thing. You've got to monitor this. You've got to make sure that you're keeping logs so that you know, if somebody, when you, nobody should be logging into that website is logging into that website. And, uh, yeah, the reason I mentioned this, because I really hadn't given this angle any thought at all, but having Tim on the show, I bet he has. So let's have, hand it over to Tim. I mean, don't let, you know, this all boils down to really simple security advice that we give over and over again and everybody knows not everybody implements which is you know every site you log into you should have a unique password for it if you don't have a, if you're not doing that at the moment password manager go go start, use one or passphrases it's up to you but they should be unique they should be long you can make whatever jokes you like at that point um where possible have multi-factor authentication um, if you're running your own WordPress website, um, there's a plugin called two TWO hyphen factor. That is a WordPress core feature plugin. The idea is that eventually that will turn up in WordPress core. We've been waiting what feels like a decade for it to turn up. Um, unfortunately, this giant block editor thing has got most of the attention and projects like that have been given a back burner. But that's a really good plugin for handling multi-factor authentication. On third-party services, if they have 2FA support, use it. Some uh, third-party services even offer you a discount if you will use it because they oh, do really? not want you to be hijacked. That's neat. Never seen um, so that. There, there, if you're doing anything that uh, involves you, know, you logging in, it's your responsibility to maintain it. So use a unique password, use a unique email address if you can. I'm not suggesting come up with completely random ones, but in things like Gmail, you have that plus icon that you can then add anything at the end. So you can have Tim plus this website at mysite.com. Um, if you use those emails, that allows you to track and see, so you can start seeing, hey, my this email is being used by this spam that's coming in. Okay, that's a hint that there might be a problem with that site. So you can, that's allows you to do a little bit of remote monitoring yourself. Um, but the big one is unique passwords everywhere. Just do it. <laughs> Simple um, that. Can I throw this one at you, Tim, and see what you make of it? Because I, I, I come, came across this service not that long ago, and I've started using it literally a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not sure what I think about it. And it's DocDocGoes. Um, so basically, you click a button. It, there, there's, they've got a browser extension. In every password field, 
it sorry email field it puts a little doc doc go icon a little bit like you would see the you know the bitwarden or lastpass or whatever it would be and you click it and it will generate for you a unique email address at that moment and then pre-fill that field now when that email you, you then go to your doc.go account and you say okay every email that is generated from my account forward it to this one right so it's all going to your regular email address but the emails they will they will strip out all the trackers from the emails if you wish to have that but also when you log into doc.go you can just terminate that email so you can say okay xyz48269 at doc.com just stop that one working from this moment on and then you can bring it back to life again. So you can switch it off, make it dormant, bring it back on. And I thought that was quite a quite a neat idea. Except, of course, there's that single point of failure if dot dot go go away. But I like the premise of it, even if I'm relying. I've I've created a I've created a single point of failure for myself. Yeah, and I mean Apple offers something very similar with that. Oh, do they? Okay. Well, um, there are uh, uh, Proton Mail does something similar. Fastmail does something similar with uniquely generating. And some of those will link in. So um, actually link into something like Bitwarden. So if you're Bitwarden's password manager, if you're not familiar with it, and one of its features, it will integrate with a lot of email services to generate unique emails on the fly. The advantage of having your mail provider do that versus the third party is mail systems are fragile. Email is not a reliable source of communication email is if you ever look behind the curtain and if you ever thought that email was you send an email and it arrives at a different server and that's it you would be horrified at how many jumps hoops and loops go through how much stripping of email how much checking of email how all these blacklists that are checked against all of this stuff is just happening behind the scenes and you are adding one giant thing in the middle when their reputation of their servers goes down, you're not going to get your email. When, yeah, stuff, right. when people yeah. screw up stuff on there, you're not going to get your email. When they inevitably go bust, when they get, and when they, uh, and if you worry about your privacy, you're going to have the scenarios where, well, if they're stripping stuff out of the email, that means they're reading the email. Yeah. Okay. You've, now you've scared me as you do so often. <laughs> right. That's luckily I'd only got like a week into it. Okay. I'm going to discontinue use of that. I think you've made some good points. Uh, I'm going to go back to my ad ad in Gmail. <laughs> That's uh... um, check if your password manager supports ad in Gmail. They can, you can get something quite similar set up. Um, okay. and there are, as I, there are lots of services that will do this for you. Um, if, as if you're an Apple user, uh, um, Apple will do it for you, for example, but there, a lot of the mail services providers now do it. Okay, thank you. Uh, back to the main WP story. Just, yeah, it's basically, I guess if you've got a main WP or equivalent install, just keep an eye on it. You know, obviously, if there's people logging in that you sacked six months ago, it's probably not going to go well for you. So maybe uh, maybe recycle those users periodically, uh, that kind of thing. But uh, anyway, there we go. Main WP doing its job to highlight this as an issue. Righty ho, let's move on. Uh, okay, we are. At the story of the week. So I don't know what to say about this story, um, except that a few days ago, I believe my first, I can't remember when I saw it, but I woke up one morning and somebody said, oh, look, if you go to the WordPress plugin repo, there's a nice new button. I can't even remember what that button said, um, but you could try out 
the the plugins. So you could try out any plugin you like by clicking the button, and it launched uh, it launched Playground, which is a browser. Ba- I mean, it's phenomenal that it even works, but um, the browser based version of WordPress, which spins up in like less time than it takes for me to say the word install, um, and you're up and running. Now, on the face of it, what a great idea. This genuinely seems like a cool thing. You click a button and you get the opportunity to look at a plugin in the repo in a completely disposable WordPress website that you can have for, I don't know, a handful of minutes just to see what's going on in there. Didn't quite go down like that, though, amongst the community. Um, And... I don't really have an intuition as to whether this is going to come back. My understanding is as of right now, this functionality is gone away. Now, whether or not you like the idea of it, whether or not the implementation worked for every plugin is kind of not the point. The point here was more about how the heck did this get launched on the WordPress.org repo? How did this happen given that nobody saw it coming? So it seems like quite a lot of plugin developers and um, so on were just totally taken by surprise. And they genuinely thought that people were talking about it as, a, as an idea. And then they went to their plugin page on the repository, discovered it was actually real. And in some cases, I think probably realized their plugin maybe didn't work. There was something not right, you know, just something that was misaligned, wasn't going to work with Playground. Now it's gone. The only assumption I can draw is that it was... I don't know, a, a mistake. Somebody pulled the trigger by accident and launched it live and then realized there were, I don't know. But what are you what are your intuitions around this? This seems like a story the like of which I've never covered before. So anyway, this that you're looking at is the only the only bit online that I can find that has anything to do with this being a thing. It's a it's on making.wordpress.org. It's ticket number seven two five one. And the idea of adding a preview in Playground to the bot to the plugin directory, this seems to be the single container for the entire conversation. And that just doesn't quite feel like the way that WordPress normally works, where everything's out in the open, you know, you have a consensus and it's decided upon. And so I don't know quite what this happened, but I'm, I'm interested in what your intuitions were. Like I say, what a great idea, but it just seems to have been... Um, just it seems to have been a bit of an own goal in terms of the the optics of how it was done, really. So over to you. <laughs> Kick that football around a bit. I, I feel really sorry for um I've got his the, the gent's name who actually pushed this live because yep. the amount of sort of negative feedback that must have hit him like a wall, and it's very hard or, yes. to not take that sort of thing personally. Yes. Well done, Tim, for pointing it, that out. I think that's it, the right thing. It wasn't that was, it, of all the, all the big negative things we're now going to say for the next 10 minutes about it, just needs to be emphasized that behind any change, doesn't matter where it is, there's always a human somewhere. Uh, and unfortunately for him, it would appear he literally owned the ticket and everything to do with it. So it's going to feel, re- I, I, if he, I would not be shocked if there was suddenly uh, just like, I'm just never going to push a change again. And that leads on to the fact that the meta team, so the team that behind WordPress.org and all the infrastructure and the site is tiny um, and is opaque in its nature. They can, they've either been around in the project so long, people like Otto, who are just are part of the, not just part of the furniture, they, they were frozen into the furniture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
above from automatic or subsidiaries of various max companies and organizations to the point that it's so opaque that and they're so small these decisions are not necessarily taken quickly they're taken in private and yeah there was a track ticket was there a make post no did any did, did they consult any other team doesn't appear to be did they consult the security team did they uh, before putting on, you know, some interesting features directly into their site. All of these things normally have large processes and they have open and public debates and conversations. But because their team is so tiny, because 99% of people don't care normally about what they do, because they do tiny things behind the scenes that nobody notices. And they did what they thought was a tiny change that no one would notice. Possibly in response to WordPress.com's scraping. They were like, hey, we've got something that's this cool feature we could implement. And it was such a good idea. Yes. But I, like many developers who have got plugins on WordPress.org, my first reaction was to go and press the button for mine. And I went, hmm. It would help if uh, you said how amazing the, um, that the, the new tech instant WordPress technology is. And it's like, hmm. If only it worked. Yeah. Okay. Amazing in the sense of like it's mind-numbingly complicated. Yeah, yeah, and very fast. Yeah, very fast. Also, yeah. very, very, very buggy. Um, great. Don't you think? Go on. Don't you think it's interesting that the the plugins and themes are treated so differently, right? So with themes, you can preview a theme. It doesn't necessarily look like it's actually going to look right. Like we all know that, right? I I fell into that mistake early in my freelance days. I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. What is this that I just installed? It does not look like that. But but we did have that for plugins. We do have onboarding for plugins, but heaven forbid we put an onboarding in for a theme. So like there's just two little different worlds working at, at, at right now and how you add things to your WordPress website. I mean, the other thing is that the theme team are reviewing themes at a phenomenal rate and getting them published. And the plugin team who have recently expanded because, you know, up until then, it effectively just Mika doing all the reviews has got something like 90 days worth of backlog. Of yeah, fucking yeah. yeah. Imagine if they now have to add on to that list. Oh, does it work in, in this very <laughs> esoteric environment to make sure that it can at least launch? So that, it was the plugins team that killed this. I got it. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, uh, the plugin developers killed this when they all cried out to <laughs> pain and across the entire of the WordPress ecosphere, there was just one shout of stop. Um, oh. The really frustrating thing is, it's a great idea. Yeah, it's and so good of an idea. But if you can, the problem is when you start going, okay, it's a great idea. My plugin requires a dependency on WooCommerce. So I need right. to be able to install WooCommerce as well as my plugin. Cool. My plugin only sh works if you're logging users in and out of WordPress because it's something to do with the login screen. Can I have users that log in and out? Uh, okay, yeah. So that's another use case. Right. My plugin requires the use of the standard PHP extensions that just don't work in your esoteric weird platform. So it's currently erroring. Yes, okay. Mine needs a, There's a lot of variables. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the really good things that someone suggested was, hey, why don't we just have a URL to a demo site? Right, right, right. Be allowed to just yeah. put the URL in. That's old school, Tim. Links. 
the heck? How dare they come up with a reliable way that you could <laughs> yeah, self do yeah. it yourself and have it set up? Yeah. So it works. The other one yeah. was that somebody said, can we make this opt-in? And the response was strict, was immediately, no, that would break the user experience. It's like, you don't think the current experience is totally broken? Because if I push a button and it comes up with critical error and red screens and does all sorts of other stuff, um, but somehow taking the button that wasn't there two minutes ago and removing it was going to break the user experience. So It, ju it just seems such a shame because it is such a neat idea and maybe... Um, maybe, maybe this is maybe all of the things that Tim listed there and probably could have listed for minutes more to come. Um, if they could be checked off and this could have, you know, my plugin has a dependency of this and my plugin requires this. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a path forward with that. Max I makes know, a good I point. Know, the dependency issue would be fantastic. If, 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 if ironically, if this caused us to fix right. dependency, right. that would be amazing. Right. It got that conversation kickstarted. Yeah. Max makes the point that you can obviously, you know, Tim made the point, use a link. Max makes, makes the point that you can use something like InstaWP and you can append uh, plugins in the repo to the URL. I think my understanding is you can just add the name of a plugin as a query parameter at the end and it'll install that for you. Maybe that would be another way of going about it. I tried it, says Amy, with a plugin I'd never used. Interesting, but A, not a real world, not a real plugin use scenario. It was slow, so a user might wonder whether that's the plugin's fault. Good point, uh, three, and it simply won't work in many cases. Yeah. Okay, Jack, anything on this? I just remember I woke up and looked at the Stellar WP like that all, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> going go back to bed. <laughs> yeah, I had been in London. I was like one of the first people online, and I was looking at it like, yeah, nothing, nothing works. And I think, Two of our plugins, Fatal Error, some of the other plugins just like didn't work. And when you're demoing a plugin, like we use InstaWP at Stellar and we have very, very good demo sites that are purposely curated to work specifically for real world use cases. And when you're demoing a plugin, you can't just chuck someone in the WordPress admin that's maybe not even use WordPress and be like, yeah, have fun figuring out how this works. Like, the plugin developer hasn't built an onboarding demo flow that launches when they do that thing. No one's going to use your plugin. Yeah. Mm. Um, Max makes another good point. It's a co corollary to what we were saying a moment ago. I didn't realize this. There is a Chrome extension for InstaWP, uh, which adds the same button uh, into the .org repo. I mean, obviously, it's not actually adding the button <laughs> by installing that plugin. You are not updating the WordPress.org repo. Let's be clear. Um, you you are adding it <laughs> such that when you press it on your little browsing experience, it will go to InstaWP and preload that. So maybe that's going to be a better experience because you get a bona fide WordPress website for a period of time. I think it's like an hour or 20 minutes or something like that, a small period of time where you get a an actual WordPress site. Anyway, so PR um, kerfuffle. The words teacup and storm come to mind. Maybe it'll be a bit like that in the future, but still a bit strange if, like Jack, you wake up to realize that what would have been a great advertising channel has then just sort of collapsed uh, around you because it's erroring and everybody now thinks Jack's, Jack's plugins, that they don't work. None of them work. Oh. The only the only good part for me being at, actually like at Learn Dash, even like work with the other brands, is Learn Dash is premium only. 
So I passed. Oh, yeah, it yeah, yeah. Blood that it's broken up the other. Those are the problem for the other brand. Yeah. So may, maybe, maybe this is a, a lesson. Like we said, it's a great idea. Um, let's hope that it comes in the future. Um, and let's just hope that, uh, that nobody feels too bad about this. It came, it was quickly taken away. So let's move on. All right. Okie doke. Right. I just want to point out a, a new service. It's by Patrick Posner. Um, and it's called zip to web. He's been on the podcast before and he's got this new service where you can, for I think 200 pages on a website, you can make a static website. You basically fill in the, the, the bits and pieces, the domain, your email address and so on, and it'll zip your site up. I can see this has got great benefits for somebody who has a brochure site with a few pages on it that never really changes. And then you could use, uh, I don't know, something like simply static to take that going forward. So that's new. Um, another thing is that Stackable, which is akin to Cadence Blocks, same sort of idea. They've got a new WooCommerce integration um, with various other bits and pieces, including enhanced color gradients and opacity settings. So hat tip to them. And the guys over at Fluent Forms, I, I forget the name of their company, but they've got Fluent Forms, Fluent CRM, lots of different products, WP Ninja Tables and all sorts. They're launching a new plugin soon called Fluent Booking. So if you're in that kind of appointment seeking space, uh, I think they've got a history of doing things well. So there it is. It's called fluentbooking.com and uh, you can go and check that out. And also Hacktoberfest. I know really nothing about this, but it came on my radar and I thought that Tim would maybe appreciate me mentioning it. I don't know. Um, but this year marks the 10th anniversary of Hacktoberfest and we're calling on for your support, whether it's your first time participating or your 10th, it's almost time to hack out four pristine pull merge requests as we continue our month support for open source. So I, I think you can go for all sorts of different um, projects. It's not just limited to the usual suspects. I'm not entirely sure. Do you have much, do you, do you go for this sort of stuff, Tim? I mean, I, I over the many, many years I have been involved in many hackathons, of which Hacktoberfest is a, a sort of hackathon, but it's online and it, it covers a wide range of open source projects. I, I yeah. think that they have a specific, they've got a specific list of ones that, because they've got like little mini goals and targets you can go for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, if you're a developer, and even if you're not a developer, there's some options there for non-developers as well. Uh, it's a great sort of opportunity to see the wider open source community because sometimes we live in a world where WordPress is the only bubble we see. We do. So we do I indeed. Really think it's worth coming along and uh, if not only for the amazing retro website that Telecom yes. or something a got bit scrolling things. Brilliant. Uh, it's called Hacktoberfest and it's exactly as you might spell it. H-A-C-K-O-B-E-R-Fest.com What did you say, Tim? I didn't get it. I said I can't read it. It's uh, I, As you're scrolling down, I'm like, my eyes have but oh, yeah, sorry. Know. I've settled now. Uh, there it is. Anyway, that's that. Um, I feel like we missed the piece about Ollie. Where did that go? I don't know what happened there. Oh, here we go. I don't know. I must have missed the tab. So we'll quickly cover off this one because I think this is an important one. So a couple of weeks ago, the Ollie theme, uh, and Ollie is is run by Mike McAllister and Patrick, who we just mentioned a moment ago with his Zip plugin. Uh, sorry, Zip service. Um, they've decided after a little bit of thought that they were, they're going to pull the thing that was contentious about their theme. So they had a, 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 a block-based theme, but they had an onboarding wizard and various people on the uh, theme review team said, this is plugin territory, get rid of the onboarding wizard because it gives you 
potentially commercial advantage. You could put all sorts of things in there to upsell or what have you. Um, anyway, the long and the short of it is that it turns out that the theme team review rules are kind of like jello, you know, like jelly. They're, they're fairly flexible because Matt Mullenweg stepped in to say, so long as it's innovative, then it's okay. Just Sefa, I think, sort of more or less stepped in and said the same thing. Um, if it's innovative, go for it. In other words, they appeared publicly to give Ollie an endorsement. In other words, yeah, just get it on the repo. We'll be fine. But Mike McAllister was having none of it, and he's pulled it, he's pulled it anyway. Um, so that's the news around that. So it's kind of like a bit of, uh, a bit of tennis uh, between the theme review team, <laughs> upper management, and... Uh, and the theme, the, the, the author of the theme, uh, nobody quite knows, well, seemingly knows quite where to go with this. But as it stands at the moment, uh, that has gone. So I'm yeah. worried about the tennis games you're playing where you have three teams involved. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Very peculiar tennis uh, we have. But that's such an unusual story, isn't it? You know, something, mm -hmm. something is, is, is done. The theme team themselves can't quite decide on it because Justin Tadlock was on one side. Um, and I can't remember, um, oh, I've forgotten. I can't remember, but somebody else on the theme team was on the other. So then it, you know, obviously Matt stepped in and Josepha stepped in and gave their thought. And then Mike just thought, this isn't worth it. We'll put it into a plugin anyway. And just odd optics, isn't it? It's just a little bit strange. Anything on that before we move on? We are fast running out of time. No. Okay. Alrighty, uh, I just want to mention this because this is utterly phenomenal. Just, I don't even know what to say. So Nobel Prize has been awarded uh, in physics and it's been awarded to a trio who are capturing rapid, sorry, creating rapid flashes of light to capture the shortest of moments, right? These, these little things that they're creating in their laboratories, I can imagine they've got these beautiful white jackets with so many biros all lined up perfectly. They must be incredibly, incredibly clever people because they're, they're creating packets of light, little quanta of light. And I got down, this article was quite interesting. I, you know, it's fascinating until I read this bit, right? This is the, this is the scale of what they're doing. It's all to do with electrons. The movement of electrons inside atoms, I'm quoting, and molecules are so rapid that they are measured in seconds, an almost incomprehensibly short amount of time. So it turns out that if you want to watch protons and neutrons, easy, they move like, you know, like slugs compared to the electron. The electron is just whoa, super fast. So you need some super fast equipment to measure it. Attoseconds is your best friend. An attosecond is to one second as one second is to the age of the universe. Just pause that. <laughs> How many seconds Crazy. are there in the universe? Isn't that bizarre? Anyway, I say bravo. People who can work in attoseconds totally deserve a Nobel Prize. Uh, I give you my seal and approval. But is, is time going more quickly or is it like, my God, this day is taking forever. Do you know how many attoseconds it's been yeah. already? <laughs> Like a hundred trillion have just gone in the time it took me to say a hundred trillion or something. 
That is bonkers. Anyway, those clever physicists. Yeah, right. I mean, all those times where we've been talking about like the millennium bug and 32, 20, we, we, once upon a time we had 16 bit computers and then we had 24 bit, then 32. Now, now we're on sort of 64 bit computers. If you think about that, one second in attoseconds, we can't count in that, in our current computing system, it wouldn't be able to process it. The number's too big. Those electrons. They're just, there's like a whole different ball game. That's the kind of tennis I like to play. Atto tennis. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. I'm going to curl up and go into a ball. That's dreadful. Uh, she, Amy is quickly going off to claim the domain. Atto. <laughs> Atto WP. That's brilliant. Okie doke. Right. What have we got? It's just it really loaded quickly. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be the new core web vital. How many atto seconds does it get to Too load? Sad. Imagine how long the page would be. So that's pretty impressive. Also, just to mention, here it comes. The deep fakes are starting to have an impact. I mean, honestly, I don't really know anything about Mr. Beast, but Mr. Beast and a variety of other people have been, uh, they have been deep faked. They've been caught on YouTube and TikTok and various other places. And the things that they are purported to have said they did not say it was a deep fake video. And all of this, whilst this is incredibly funny, you know, it's, ah, it's Mr. Beast. He's a, you know, he's a co colorful character online. I do worry once we start to see politicians and people of influence getting caught up in all of this, that does start to worry me. So, Michelle, I have crowbarred AI into this conversation. I do apologize. <laughs> uh, and this question was posed by Michelle. What the heck's this doing in here? How often do you think about the Roman Empire? What? It's a TikTok trend where women turn to the men in their lives and say, how often do you think about the women empire? Because somebody posited that men think about it so much more often than women do. And the answers have been things like, well, not that often, maybe two or three times a day. And I'm like, maybe two or three times a year, I think about the Roman empire. So I was posing three other men in the room here today. So I thought I would pose it here. Well, I, uh, that's the bookshelf. That's, that's yes. a modest collection of the books that I have. I went to that just before we started it. That's the Roman history books off that shelf. I've got five, okay. five Roman history. <laughs> Does that make me sad? I guess it makes you typical according to TikTok. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think it's fair to say that I am in no way extraordinary. Put it And that you way. managed to get a wife. So there you go. <laughs> That now has become the uh, the title of the podcast, and you managed to get away. That's lovely. I think about the Roman Empire far more than is healthy for me. I, it, whenever like a Apparently drama so. comes on or like a documentary, it's about that period of history fascinates me. Anything ancient history, basically. I could be watching the Ten Commandments and still not think about the Roman Empire. <laughs> Okay, so that was that. Thank you for putting that in. I am a typical male, it turns out, who obsesses okay. about the Roman Empire. Uh, what is this? I don't even know who put this one in, but it's... I took this one in. Go on. So basically, it's a, it's an interesting blog post talking about Patreon, which is a online platform for creators to... Uh, basically, you can sign up to be uh, someone's patron on Patreon, and then you give them some money, and they give you customized content. Right to their patrons as a platform it's uh it was very innovative at its time it has become a cd horrible privacy scariness place 
And very recently, they had a massive change in their privacy policy, which basically suddenly meant that a bunch of creators and users of the platform discovered that a lot of personal information that they thought was private was flipped to public just like that because they changed the privacy policy. Uh, oh. So needless to say, quite a few people would really like to see an actual alternative, but it's really difficult to build an alternative that is privacy friendly uh, and that supports organizations. Because one of the problems with Patreon is that it is, uh, it's changed with the times and it's changed with where the money is. And consequently, people who started on Patreon who uh, are no longer persona non grata on there, for example, uh, if they want to use a pseudonym, um, rather than their real name, uh, that's no longer a thing that can happen. So this is basically a blog post highlighting some of the things that other companies could do to become a, a Patreon, a new Patreon. The problem is by the end of it, you're there going, yeah, I can understand why this hasn't happened. The one thing it doesn't cover, which is why it's in, I put it in, was it didn't cover WordPress. Interesting. Um, one thing to do that you didn't really go into at all was you can self-host this. Um, and I thought that would, might be an interesting thing. It might trigger some things in people's minds about, oh, sh should I have self-host? There's been a trend towards things like Substack. Is that the right word? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Yep. And I was just thinking, yeah, I, as someone who's several times looked at doing mem I, my originally when I got in first involved in WordPress was building membership sites and membership plugins. And I'm just thinking, I wonder why people aren't doing that as much. And I guess actually we've got the perfect person on with Jack with Verndash because there are so many uh, third-party uh, e-learning e solutions and yet they're, I don't know, it just seemed like a good conversation bit, but we actually have like one minute to have that conversation. Yeah, I'm really sorry. That's my fault. But I, I totally agree. I think the, the premise behind Patreon is blooming excellent. Like the prem the idea of it, the idea that you can get a band of people who love your stuff and are prepared to put their hand in their pocket for it is just brilliant. And I'm imagining that in the past it's worked very well and made careers out of people's content creation or whatever it is that you you know put over uh, as a as a service on Patreon. But that's a shame. Why do all good things? Why can we not have good things, Tim? I think, I think you should just add. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give WP to your website. You could create your own Patreon experience. We have oh. customers who do that all the time. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Interesting. Does it allow you give WP to create like tiers? So Patreon, mm -hmm. one of the things I think that you can do is sort of like offer, I don't know, like a, a different podcast experience stripped of ads or something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's a great alternative. Yeah. Well worth rem remembering. Okay. A uh, couple of things. First, uh, well, two things about Woosesh coming up very, very soon, October the 10th. So starting, uh, if my, let me just do the math. It's the ninth today. Uh, it's tomorrow. It starts tomorrow. And okay. guess who's speaking? The chap called Tim Nash. Uh, what are you doing? Not to, uh, not I, to be a woo hacker, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I just wanted to say that I, these are pre-records, so I've recorded it. So I know, and normally when I do presentations, <laughs> I come out saying, oh, that didn't go well. And I'm still going to say, oof, it didn't go well. I really, 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 really enjoyed doing this. Good. That's awesome. So I'd like people to watch it because I think it's going to be fun. Nice. I'm leaving it at that. I'm not saying anything else, but I totally worth come, going on it. Registered free. Are you, I think you get recordings for seven days for free, after which if you have to be a Dopey Sessions member. Okay. But uh, I think people should come and, and watch it 
Woosesh.com. Um, and Tim's session is called How, there are other talks as well. How Not to on. Woo a Hacker. <laughs> yeah, and there are some other talks as well, but uh, but Tim favors his own there for obvious reasons. And very last little piece, just very quickly. This is also Woosesh related, but Michelle wants to plug something. What are you plugging, Michelle? Just scroll down a tiny little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Da, 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 I would... I don't I, think I, no, right there is good. Here, we want to get rid of Bob. Keep going there. Oh, oh, so, oh there you go. There you go. There you go. That's happened. I'm leaving. I'm leaving it there. Look, there we go. I did not know. I did not know that I had been nominated as Advocate of the Year until um, Jack Kemp. I'm sorry, James Kemp had put on there uh, on Twitter that he had been nominated as Developer of the Year. So of course, I clicked through to vote for him. He's also one of our coworkers. And as I look, scrolled down, I saw my name and burst into tears because I was so touched. So oh. if, if you are so moved, I would love to have your vote. So this is a ballot. You get to vote. You get to cast your vote um, for the Seshis. And looks like there's an advocate of the year, which Michelle is up for, along with uh, Do The Woo, Bob, um, and Kathy Darling. We've also got, whoops, excuse me. Uh, oh, and there are honorable mentions as well. Katie Keith and mm -hmm. uh, Edith Allison. We, we won't mention all the other names, but there's a developer of the year category, an extension of the year category, agency of the year, store of the year. I hope this doesn't go on for too long. Innovation of the year. And that's it. They miss um, security consultant of the year out. Yeah. And, yeah. And WordPress podcast uh, host of the WP Builds podcast. You know, that one as well. That's very yes. specific. You would have uh, had my vote for that. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd <laughs> gather all the votes for that. Uh, one, my wife, hopefully. Right, that's <laughs> it. That's all we've got time for. Uh, thank you so much for Jack for joining us today and for Tim and for Michelle. Hopefully you didn't get too frightened or freaked out. I was in a bit of a hilarious mood today. Hopefully it was actually usable content. <laughs> we will see you all very soon. Before you go, though, the somewhat humiliating Jack, I don't know if you remember this bit. We I all know he's, the whole scene. he's not doing it. Look, he's not doing it. He's the first one. To, he's done it. Yes, get in. Uh, thank you for joining us. Anybody that made a comment really appreciates it. This podcast will come out live tomorrow. The guests are press end broadcast. Then for sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It always ends, but sometimes it doesn't bounce you into the show. But hopefully, um, hopefully it will. So we will see you very, very soon. Thanks for joining us. Take it easy. Bye.